A new romantic comedy thriller from HBO, Run, is the new must-watch series from executive producers Vicki Jones and Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Vulture calls the series next-level escapist fantasy, and Variety cheers as wildly fun. Starring Donald Gleason and two-time Emmy winner Merritt Weaver, Run is for your Emmy consideration in all categories. Tony McNamara is the Oscar-nominated screenwriter of Searchlight's award-winning 2018 film, The Favorite. And like that film, his new Hulu and Media Rights Capital series, The Great, revives period drama with a great dash of absurdist humor. But in the story of Russia's 18th century empress Catherine the Great and her tumultuous marriage to the boorish and inept emperor Peter III, who she's looking to bring down. The old hysterical tale has been reawakened and ready to speak to the current Time's Up and Me Too era. Here's Tony McNamara on Crew Call. So before we talk about the great, I'd love to talk about the favorite. Sure. Um, I know you've worked in Australian TV, but when it comes to period comedy um was that a hard sell meaning to a to a a major motion picture studio with the favorite i mean what i love about what you did with the favorite and what you've done here with the great is you've taken everything that we know and love from like merchant ivory but man it the deadpan hilarity uh, the uh, Eugene Ionesco absurdity <laughs> and even Python, I would go there. But you you do it in such a way that is not only nuanced, but it's it's funny. It, it's funny without breaking. Yeah. I mean, without. But tell me about first selling the. That's a long. I know that's a long-winded question. But my first question is: Tell me about getting the favorite off the ground into the big screen? Um, I think it was, a, I can't remember whether it was, I mean, it took, we worked on the script for a while and then it took, um, I mean, Yorgos really wanted the three actresses. And so I knew there were times it was, it was hard to kind of um, convince people that it was a new thing. I mean, it was a new kind of tone and for a genre, for a period genre. I mean, we, we got Emma quite quickly. So that really helped sell it, I think. And, you know, Yorgos had, I mean, we started working on it before he made The Lobster and Sacred Deer. So I think by the time he'd made those two movies, people, you know, sort of loved him as a director and Searchlight are, a, you know, they're such a great um, studio that backs individual voices. And so they sort of were the right place to land. Um, and then it was just how much money you could spend on that and whether people who liked period movies wouldn't like it and people who didn't like period movies wouldn't even come and see it. So there was sort of that question mark, I guess. And then um, I think for us, it was just try, always trying to make a movie, you know, we wanted to make and Yorgos wanted to make and hope people came. I don't think we ever envisaged people would come in the masses they came you know and that people would respond to it that way I mean we thought we were making a really good movie with really great actors and 
hoped people would like the tone. And... Was it a situation where once you had your ghost attached, it just took off and it was, you know, <clears throat> well, it was a no, slam I dunk. Mean, no, I guess Yorgos like, hired me because he had read The Great when it was a stage play, I think, or a screenplay. Really? So he wanted to do something to period and then he was looking for someone to do it. And, um, you know, and then we met and just, you know, hit it off and understood each other and both understood, you know, I really understood what he wanted to do. He understood what I did and we just became this good friendship and partnership. Um, so yeah, he hired me for to sort of write it, and then from there, you know, as his stature as a director grew, and he got Emma and Olivia, and it sort of all built to this point where we could get it made. You know, great. Now this, so the great started as a stage play. Yeah, yeah, in Sydney, like uh, a a while back. Yeah, I wanted to write. Yeah, I wanted to write. I, I'm not really. A, I hadn't been a big fan of period stuff but i'd mostly written contemporary comedy comedy drama and um then i heard i sort of read something about catherine the great and i thought oh, i really want to write about her but then i was like i i want to do it in a way i would go and see it because most period stuff was so polite i was uh, easily bored so i was like so in the stage play how what is the extent you know we this You've, get, you've given us 10 episodes. Is the stage play essentially the pilot or do we see nuances of the finale in the stage play? Uh, there's sort of be, I mean, I guess the pilot is, because the stage play is like 45 minutes or that section of the stage play is like 40 minutes long or something. So there's pieces, there's a chunk of it in the pilot and then there's, there's little bits I took, plot bits. So here and there throughout, there's like moments um, or relationships. A couple of the relationships are from the play and, uh, you know, most of the relationships are sort of brand new. Um, but, you know, I think I took some of it and it gave me a little points that I wanted to use that I knew sort of worked in story terms. So. And when, when did you do the play and when did Yorgo see it? Oh, he didn't see it. I did it like 10, I guess, 10 years ago. Um, wow. And then I, you know, so I wrote plays more than I did TV at the time. And I think slowly then he'd, I'd written it into a screenplay. It got optioned. And I think he probably read the screenplay um, as a feature. And then, uh, and then I was working in TV, even though I was doing the favourite, I wasn't doing much features. I was doing plays and TV. And then I, during that period of, um, I was like, oh, this would be much better as TV because I've got, hour, I need hours to tell this story, not two. I need like 10 right. or 20 or 30. So, and then I was, you know, I'd, I'd started to run shows here. So I was like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> you love TV. Go and uh, do it as a TV show if someone will let you. So how many, so roughly how many years ago had you turned it into a feature first? Uh, probably after the play. It was on here um, and then it got optioned and then, I turned it into a feature, but it was, a, it was just not long enough to tell the story. So I'd sort of given up on it. I mean, I liked it, the style of it and I loved the tone of it, but I was like, I can't tell this story in two hours. That's my, so I sort of gave right. up on it. I gave up on it for years. And then um, I was really, uh, when I met, I was sort of like thinking about what to do next. And then I was, 
I think it was just like a moment where TV had changed and I was like, oh, well, what I want to do, I can do now in TV. Like they, anything goes now. So I was like, why don't you do that? You know, and I'd, and I'd had fun writing The Favourite. I think that was the thing. I went, oh, I do love this style. It does free me to be more extreme. And, um, you know, it just fitted me really well. So I was like, that's the, you know, you should do the great. And then I met Nick uh, during rehearsals of The Favourite and I thought, oh, well, he could be Peter. And I knew Al through my manager and I'd always loved her. So I, I sort of thought of them and then I wrote a pilot quite quickly and, you know, we were lucky Hulu like you know liked it and went for it well media rights capital did it go to them first no because i it actually went to i took it out myself first just and then um found media rights after i'd sort of taken it out to the two networks and had interest and then i because i wanted to go with hulu i needed a studio and then um i really liked those guys so was there a bidding war like were there was Netflix or any of the others jumping? Ah, uh, there was a few. Yeah, there's three or four. And was this all post post the favorites Oscar run? Oh no, this was all very pre. I think wow. we, the favorite wasn't even out yet. Um, this was the fa. I think we'd start. We'd shot the favorite, but then Yorgos cut edited for about a year. So it was during that. While he was editing, you know, I was writing something else for him, but I was also thought, oh, well, that was fun. And I felt like I was excited by the idea of Nick and Al. And so, yeah, so it was all leading up to the favourite. We were shooting, when the favourite came out sort of while we were shooting the pilot, I think. That's very fascinating. So the other thing that's, of course, great and which resonates with the great is... Um, Man, it, it really feels like now. Um, you've got Peter, who, oh my God, couldn't be, you know, I, I think he is a Trump at the end of the day. Um, and then um, she's, she's every, Catherine, you talk about a pioneer for Time's Up, and you talk about the things that she was trying to do during her reign, like inocul, you know, being the, she was, you know, one of the first people to, I would say, you know, get a country inoculated, maybe. Yeah. Um, or at least one of the, the early, one of the early rulers to get something like that done during the smallpox era. Yeah. Um, what, what was it about, what was it about her that made you choose her? Well, and, in a lot of ways, it was to do yeah. with that. Like, I felt, she was a contemporary, I felt like she was a very contemporary character mm -hmm. um, because of, she was very unapologetic about sexuality for a woman in that period. And she was also, she was just sort of a woman who was complicated. She wasn't perfect. Um, and I was fascinated by the idea that you could be 20 years old, come to a country that's not your own, unable to speak the language and somehow take it over and run it forever. And I was like, well, when I was 20, I could barely work out how to pay my rent and buy a car, you know. So mm -hmm. I was sort of interested in that person and how she did that. Um, and that, but I was also interested in it being, it feeling like a very contemporary show. Um, and then the humor, so amazing. I mean, uh, 
who, who, who are your inspirations? I mean, it reminds me, I mean, it reminds me of Eugene Ionesco. I'll even go so far to say Zucker, Zucker and Abrams, the air, the, the, <laughs> the airplane guys. I mean, that's how, how, how wonderfully hysterical it is. Yeah. I mean, I guess my, uh, the people I always think about, are, I mean, in TV terms, I like it. Like I just grew up watching MASH. I feel like I've seen every episode of MASH like 11 times or something, but as a little kid. Um, so I loved, I mean, that for me and Joseph Haller and, um, you know, Ian Esco. Yeah. Some of those theater guys. So I do, they're the things I loved. I mean, I think MASH was a sort of strange template. You know, I think the writer's room, when I kept, I'd say, think about MASH. They would, they would go, what are you talking about? This is carriages and palaces. But what, it, what Larry Galbar did was similar because it was really funny and it was sort of farcical at times. But then people died and you felt it and the characters felt it. Oh, yeah. And, and so that is always what I wanted from the show. I wanted it to be able to go extreme comedy, but it all to be truthful enough that when terrible things happened, you really felt it. The narrative feel it. the drama. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Precisely. Whether it's the bear dying or someone someone gets killed in the court. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's like a it's like a bad accident has just happened on the road, and they need to figure out what to do with all this blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The uh, where did you shoot? Uh, we shot. Uh, we've sort of built a palace in the east end of London in these this big old Dickensian studio. Um, so most of the most of its in most of the interiors are in London in our studio, and the rest we shot a little bit on the outskirts in the countryside in England, and then a few. There's a palace in near Naples, and we shot in this Italian palace for a lot of exteriors and grounds and stuff. And then tell me about selecting your directors. You got awesome people here. You've got Gina V. Patel. He worked on the finale. You've got Burton Birdie. And then um, you also have, um, he's working on WandaVision right now, Matt, um, Matt Shackman. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're really lucky with directors. I mean, Matt did the pilot and he did a really great job. And he comes from a theatre background, so we understood each other in that way as well as just tonally. You know, he'd done a lot of um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but he'd also done Game of Thrones. And so, well, maybe we sit somewhere in the middle of those two things. So, you know, he was great and really understood the tone of the show and... Um, you know, did a really great job of bringing the pilot off. And then, you know, we were just lucky, you know, Colin Buxy, who's just such a, you know, he's been a, around and done, you know, he's won an Emmy for Breaking Bad and he's done, you know, so many shows and he's just such a great firm hand um, for us, you know. He just came and he's got this great personality, of, um, you know, charming, dry English guy and knows his stuff. And, you know, I think that was the thing we just, wanted directors who we felt tonally could get get the show. And then getting Nicholas and L, you you'd mentioned L L and yourself share the same representation? No, we just our managers have a, you know, a friends and so that was our connection. Um because they're I mean both the yeah. timing, the comedy, the yeah. chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean Yeah, I mean that, that was the best yeah, they're such a great screen couple, which is the thing I never knew 
which is just luck, really. I mean, I separately wanted both of them, and then you don't know what's going to happen once they're in a scene together, whether they have spark, whether they have chemistry. I knew they're both great actors, and I knew they could sort of do the individual elements of the, each character. But then when, you know, early on, I think day two, I gave them one of the scenes they sort of love to hate, which is like five pages across the table. And uh, they just went, and they were just had such fun together. And they had such spark on screen. I was like, oh, well, you know, that was a real lucky break for the show that they had such good chemistry. And her comedic timing. I mean, she, she does, you know, she, she can play very serious. She can play yeah. the whole regal and, and uh, you know, kind of the pompous that comes with the court. But then the, her physical hijinks, like the, this, we're going to put a disclaimer on this. We're going to put a, a spoiler warning on this <laughs> podcast. But like when she attempts to, um, the con- I will say when she attempts to wield a knife comedically. Yeah. Uh, it, that whole scene is, is just, it's just genius. Yeah. It's I mean, Marx Brothers. Yeah. She's so good because, and she'd never really done comedy before. And I think, you know, I'm sure I've talked about it with her. She was a bit, you know, had some trepidation about it. And, but I think because she's, uh, you know, she's surrounded by these great comic actors like, you know, Doug Hodge and Adam Godley and Belinda and I think, and Nick's so good. I think she just, I think at first she was a bit scared of it, but then the more, I think she just found that she's got that in her. And as soon as she found that out, she just sort of loved doing it and how bold she was with it. And her timing's great. She's very got a real Diane Keaton at times. Oh, yeah. Um, how many seasons are you envisioning or hoping for? I don't know. I mean, I've got a, I mean, I guess if I had a plan, it would be, it would be five, you know. There were, wow. I, I sort of knew where it, I know we could do that. And then it's just what, what um, Hulu wants and how it goes. Hey, David, have you ever wanted to run away with your ex-girlfriend? Then HBO's new comedy series, Run, might be for you. It stars two-time Emmy winner Merritt Weaver, you know, from Nurse Jackie. Her life is thrown upside down when she gets a text from an old flame, played by Donald Gleason. You know him from the recent Star Wars movies. He invites her to fulfill a 17-year-old pact they had to meet New York City travel across the country, and decide in Los Angeles whether they should be together. Run was created by Vicki Jones, who's the creative partner of Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She won all sorts of Emmys last year for Fleabag. In fact, Phoebe stars as a crazy taxidermist in the show. You gotta see it. Run. And it's for your Emmy consideration in all categories. Is there... And I don't want to spoil too much, but is there um, calamity and hijinks for her beyond Peter? Um, In your yeah, opinion? I, yeah, yeah, and, there is. I mean, you know, I you know, be a long way before I'd ever you know long road right before you'd let Nick and her. You know, there's so much for them to um, do together, but. Yeah, I think so. Because I think the first period after she took power was really interesting and and has a real funny story in it. So I think, um, you know, you could never replace Nicholas Holt. 
but um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, there is a story beyond, I guess. But you know, I think the story of how she gets power is so interesting and so convoluted and fun that that goes for quite a while. Was there a number? And this this is where I'm going to rely on on you giving us a history lesson. Uh, was there a lot of um, attempts to murder him on her part, failed attempts? Um, not, not that many, no, no. She was pretty good at what she did. But it was a, it was a sort of, I think what's interesting about it is down the road is it's, it's not what you expect the way it all unravels, I guess. It's yeah. not like knife in the heart. You know, it doesn't, even though there's an element of that, it, it, it becomes quite odd the way it all went down, I suppose. And then um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was, um, well, there's a scene with Voltaire. Yeah. And while she was obsessed with Voltaire, yeah, she didn't, and, and she, she had a course, uh, she had a heavy yeah. correspondence with him. Yeah. I, um, uh, I know that she didn't specifically meet him, but the series plays, there's a wonderful scene in which she, she does meet him. Here's yeah. my question. Were you, in, was that, all of that inspired by anything that you read in the correspondence? Because he, he gives her, when she's in a pickle, um, he gives her a very big piece of advice. Yeah. Grounds her. And um, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful quote. And I'm, I was just curious if you had pulled some of that out of their correspondence in doing the research. Uh, no, not really. I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I think I, obviously I knew about their relationship and that they'd never met, but I was just, I mean, but the show is not, you know, it says on the title card, you know, occasionally, a tr- yeah. an occasionally true story. Um, I just felt like it was, it made, it sort of made sense because the enlightenment was very important to a, Voltaire was kind of important to her. So um, I think we just took dramatic license and we were looking, I was looking for something. Um, and then that clicked into her, that moment in the story. And then I was like, what if she did, what if Voltaire came, you know? So yeah. it was just like a thing where I was, you know, looking for a couple of things in the story. And, um, and it seemed really funny that he would turn up and, um, you know. And who was, so here's the other thing. She was very promiscuous. Yeah. Um, would you say that she was more promiscuous than Peter or were they both each other's worst enemy in regards to when it came, when it came to extramarital affairs? Were they just, um, because we do, we do sympathize with her in, in this series, which is. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think, I don't know. I mean, in the, over the grand course of her life, because her life was much longer than his, she obviously was much more, you know, she was, I think one of the attractive things about her was um, in that time, she was so unapologetic about it. And in a time when women had to, you know, she just didn't have boundaries in those sense. She just didn't think, and that was part of her incredible brain and the way she thought about the world. And she didn't really want those boundaries for other people. And I think that was part of the tone of the court we wanted. We were like, the courts are so always portrayed as so polite. And we were like, this court's like chaos, man. It's just yeah. like, 
<laughs> it's just a reflection of his character. You know, we were always like, with the production design, we were like, it's a reflection of his character. You know, people break glasses and they party and they have sex in the hall. And like, you know, it's like a giant apartment house, frat house at times. <laughs> and then the bear, the bear getting shot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of obsessed with bears, so I do love bears. So um, I think, I think everyone's always like, "Why are you just? Why is this bear recurring all the time?" Going back to the pilot, there's a moment where I believe they bring in some carcasses uh, from the Swedes. Oh um, yeah, in, in two, in the yeah. Yeah, and and um, basically, did that go on? Like, did. I'm, I'm curious if, if that went on and then about him, was he, the fun thing about watching it with my wife is my wife who loves history and knows a lot, she'll say, oh, he was off. He was really off. He, is that, I, I was wondering if you could expound on him. Uh, well, I think our version of him is slightly different to the real version, I guess. Okay. Our version is a lot more, um, What's the word? I mean, they, they, they are both versions, like the real version was an idiot, but he was a much weaker character, the real version. And our, our version of, you know, Nick is a much more, you know, our character is a little more dangerous than he was. Even though he was dangerous, he was sort of a different type of dangerous. Um, so I think, I mean, this, the Swedish heads thing, I mean, for us, what I thought was hilarious was, just the idea of this rampaging war with Sweden, because Sweden's such <laughs> renowned now as the most, you know, perfect, cool, democratic, rational country on earth. And the yeah. fact that they're always like these bloodthirsty Swedes. Yeah. And we, were, we were just like, it just doesn't, doesn't tally with our view of like Ikea and people like, so <laughs> I think that's why we sort of loved the idea of the war with Sweden being this really bloodthirsty thing, which it was. I mean, they, it was true. You know, they were always at war with Sweden during this period. Oh. So, And, and then j just going back a bit, um, just it's so interesting how what's going on today really speaks through the show. So, so let's go for, let's, let's talk about the whole thing talk about being ahead of the whole COVID thing. The whole thing about the whole episode about the inoculation and the smallpox yeah. and everything. Yeah. Uh, that's, tell, tell me about that. How did that pop out at you? That, um, that, that was in the, in the play. In fact, um, it was just a moment that she really, as a leader, it was just such a seminal moment in her being a leader, I guess, where she, she was trying to, it was very hard to convince people to use it to the uh, and so she took it herself and everyone knew it was pretty it had a sort of reputation that it was unstable because you were sort of giving yourself smallpox of course mm -hmm. um so some people did die and so she, in the end she wanted to prove so she took it to prove to everyone it was fine um so that always struck me as a real point of courage and also her belief in science and her belief in um progress and that kind of thing was something I always wanted in the, in the um, show as a moment. But yeah, the fact, I think we delivered it to Hulu the week everything started to happen. And uh, I remember them going, Oh my God. They it loved was, it. Yeah. They loved it, but it was oh, just, yeah. so, it was just so sort of mental that this show about 
two, three hundred years ago was it kept the show keeps being very current and you know and feeling like we're back you know we're telling stories that relate to now so exactly um which was sort of not that we knew obviously about the covid thing or any of that but i think there was something we always i always wanted which was that the show felt a contemporaneous that we weren't looking back at history we were looking at people living their lives in a very now visceral way and i was always boiling down her story to what is that story if it was a contemporary person? What if it, you're a young woman in Chicago now and you wake up and you go, oh, fuck, I've married the wrong man. Yeah. And should I kill him or what do I do? Um, you know, and how do I work in this corporation that seems like being run by a maniac and I should be running it and how do I get that? You know, so we were always trying to like find contemporary parallels and and she was also an activist. So we studied contemporary activism and, you know, not that that's, you know, consciously in the show, but it all informed us a little bit and maybe makes the show feel like it's got a uh, relationship to now that is, un is unexpected in a period show. So um, the other thing is the sexual politics of the court, um, particularly in relation to now and what's, what's been, you know, what's, what's gone on in the news in the last couple of years. Um, it it reminds me of what was going on also with da in Dangerous Liaisons. But this, this whole thing with Gregor, Gregor and Georgie. Yeah. Um, and then um, Peter always, you know, getting Georgie, having, having her and... Tell me about that. that, was, that did that actually happen? Was, was he always... No, I was uh, I mean, Owens? I think, no, well, he didn't, I mean, the actual Peter, like, didn't love sex that much. And ours does. Um, I think for me, it was a way of exploring um, the, the politics of transactional sex and the complicatedness of friend, you know, it was a really complicated friendship story in a way between yes. the three of them that I wanted, you know, I wanted to because as much as the show is about Catherine, it's also about, you know, I also wanted it to explore uh, male sort of maleness and male friendship and ego and the things that make, like, like why is he such a terrible leader? And what are the things he's been, thinks are just how you act, you know? And so I think there was an element of that relationship that, that symbolized something in the court in that Peter had ultimate power and could just have sex with your wife if you wanted, but it all became, and you know, but also there's something in it that people play sex for safety and power and, you know, but also maybe it's in, so I just, it just seemed like a really complicated relationship, which I wanted because in a way, Catherine and Peter's relationship is very simple for a long time. And, um, and very straightforward until it becomes a little more complicated. But um, so that was the, sort of the idea was just what is sex in this court? And there's all different types of it. You know, there's purely functional, which is Catherine and Peter, and we're just trying to get an air and we can barely stand each other. And then there's this sort of affair kind of sex. And then there's a love story sex and it's all, it's all different and all um, differently played, I guess. The, um, the other question I wanted to ask you was about um, 
Well, I'm going to jump. I'm going to change. I'm going to change uh, stream for a second. Cruella, um, yeah. you got to work on that. You, yeah. you wrote. You worked on the screenplay. Have they shot that? Is that already yeah, done? Yeah, yeah. They shot that in London last year. Great. And how was that? Can you can you tell us anything? Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, I Emma's, you know, Emma's great. And so I loved working with her again. And then Craig Gillespie's a fellow Australian, even though he's yeah. long, long left our shores many times, many years ago. But um, I had written a script for him and we became, you know, friends and we really enjoyed working together. And then when he uh, landed with, ended up with Cruella and talked to Emma and they came to me and were like, do you want to, come do this with us so it was just a, I mean it's just nice when you're working with people you really like and you know so it was yeah well, it was a fun experience from the first photo it looks like it's got this great punk sensibility yeah yeah, yeah. it looks amazing it does look amazing excellent excellent well I want to thank you for joining us today on crew call this I mean this show is amazing I can't wait for season two uh, <laughs> and um you just you left it off with us thirsting for more so oh that's thank great you. thank you very much lovely to talk to you excellent take care thank you bye 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 thanks for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline i'm your host anthony delisandro and our podcast series has been produced by david janov Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode.